Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Well, the Auditor General for the City of Vancouver has released a performance audit report and not the sexiest of titles, but it is something that affects the cost of housing, what is built, what is developed in the city. It is all about the building permit fees. This is the first audit report since Mike McDonnell was appointed as Vancouver's first Auditor General. It finds a couple of interesting things that the city lacked written procedures and guidance for staff on the building permit fee assessment process and the city didn't provide detailed guidance to applicants to make sure that project cost estimates were submitted in building permit applications that they were complete that they were reasonable and supportable and what does that mean though for how much building permits how many fees are coming into the city how much people are spending on permits and are they getting value for those dollars. Well, joining us to talk more about that is John Stovell, the chair of the Urban Development Institute, as well as the president and CEO of Reliance Properties. John Stovell, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you. We're looking at this report. It's the first report from the Auditor General in Vancouver, taking a look at building permit fees and the whole process. When we look at that, does anything stick out to you as far as the findings of the report where where it kind of found where things were lacking or, or in building permits and the permitting process in general? Yeah, I mean, it's a fairly kind of, you know, you know inside... Um, City Hall and process-based document. I mean, the, the the concern to me, though, would seem to be that um, there's an inference, the way I read it, that the city may have undercollected uh, building permit fees in some instances, um, and maybe overcollected too, due to you know inconsistent approaches to the uh, the costs provided by applicants to, to, to on which to base the permit. Um, and this kind of goes to me to a bigger issue that. Um, particularly in a time now with extreme inflation and, you know, insane inflation and construction costs well beyond the background rates of inflation that we're experiencing in the economy. The idea that building permit fees should be charged on inflated construction costs when the work of processing and producing the permit is the same. You know, like if if you have a permit for a 30-story building and construction costs go up by, you know, 30% in two years or a year and a half like they have done, it doesn't take 30% more work for the city to process that permit. So, you know, I, I'm more I'm more at odds with the overall approach. And I, I think reading the Auditor General's report too, they are kind of saying, you know, maybe construction. You know, you're not you're not collecting construction cost data consistently from applicants, but maybe it's not the best way to do it. Even though that's what the bylaw says. It, I see that the city has, you know, come out and, and said that they acknowledge and agree with all the auditors' uh, observations, though. It did seem like there wasn't a, a d- direct set of rules or, or a set of rules either that kind of were, were in place for every project and that it that in some cases it could even be up for interpretation a bit. And I, I think one of the recommendations, was it the first recommendation or, or the first or the second, was to actually have, it was the second one, to have the written guidelines or standard operating procedures for staff to follow when administering uh, the, the determination for building permit fees. Uh, I was a bit surprised that that didn't already exist. Yeah, I mean, this is not an uncommon issue at the city of Vancouver and other cities in the region um, across all forms of policy. The the amount of discretion um, 
used by staff in interpreting, you know, the level rules as they're written is quite remarkable. And, and, and we experience dramatic inconsistencies in approach um, uh, to, you know, enforcement of or enforcement of regulations in, in many, many areas of, of development of, of, of housing and real estate, not just building permit fees. Yeah. So it's, it's not unusual, to, and I'm not surprised to see that complaint. I mean, I think the building permit fees are supposed to be based on the cost of construction, but um, it seems to be saying that, that the information provided to, to verify those costs is inconsistent. And, you know, I would worry that, though, that the implications of this report might be to slow down building permits even more because of, you know, perhaps excessive amounts of backup data needing to be provided by um, applicants. Um, they make reference to a Marshall Swift analysis, which is something they could do internally, and that, and that that's not being used consistently either. So, yeah, right, sounds like there's problems. And that was something I wondered, not to get too into the, the, as you said, kind of an inside report, but it did seem like that analysis, like you said, it wasn't being used on all of the projects or there was a different right. kind of formula that was maybe being used. It, it did seem like people weren't for all the time on the same page. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we don't know whether or not they're doing that internal model when we make a declaration about the cost of construction and you know, another thing they mentioned, too, is that they should look at rezonings and what the developers say that the costs were during the rezoning and then and, and what, what are they comes to the time of building permit. Well, that's a concern, too, because, you know, there can be a two or three year period between when a developer makes a declaration about the cost of the development in order to calculate rezoning charges as to when they go to get their building permit could be lower, could be higher. And so um, this, to me, kind of sort of an ignorance that construction costs are this kind of static situation. I mean, we've seen construction costs probably go up, as I said, you know, 30% or, or so in the last 24 months, which is just, you know, debilitating. And um, I would be concerned that, that, you know, trying to get every last penny out of inflated construction costs when it doesn't take the city any more work to process uh, a permit for a tower, you know, just because it goes up in cost. So I think the whole thing needs to be looked at. I think really building permit fees should be charged on either this, either the a reasonable time estimate of how much time it takes staff to process the permit or on the square footage, not on the cost. Right, which makes sense, especially given uh, what, what you're saying as far as the, the costs and the skyrocket, skyrocketing costs yeah. of, of construction. Um, do, yeah, do you, and, and it may be that, sorry, it may be to interrupt, but it may be that charging build, building permit fees on um, construction, inflated construction costs starts to turn building permit fees into a profit center for the city, and that's not supposed to be the way it's supposed to be a cost recovery exercise. Right. It's not supposed, yeah, it's not supposed to be a, a major source of revenue. Although if you look at the, the numbers, there's figures in this report that takes a look at the number of building permits issued and then compares them to the building fees collected. And it does seem the fees have gone up a lot. If you look at 2018 with about 1,670 building permits, the fees are, are just north of 12 million. Looking at 2022, it's about 1,400 building permits, but the fees are almost 30 million, which seems like a big yeah, difference. Because, yeah, because developers are, you know, they know that they need to provide the cost to the building permit and they know that... <laughs> that's being looked at and they are and costs have risen. So, you know, I think that's probably an indication that, um, <clears throat> that, 
they have been getting and charging a lot more. And is that warranted? Um, and, and it seems they're going beyond that saying, well, you know, maybe we didn't charge enough in every case or maybe we charge too much in some cases. So hence, I mean, I guess the auditor's role really is not to question the regulation itself, um, which I am questioning, but instead to make sure that it's that charges are being done consistently and equitably, you know, to all parties. To that extent, his conclusions are seem reasonable, but I think the bigger issue is why should the city be charging building permit fees on rapidly inflating construction costs? Do you have confidence that that will be changing or that will at least be addressed, given that this is the first report of, of this kind from the Auditor General? There is a new mayor and council, and that was a big part of the platform with this council getting elected. Do you think that will be yeah. addressed? Well, that's a much bigger question. I mean, you know, the, the we do have we do have some confidence that the new council may affect some change, but I'm, I'm just from a career long experience. Um, and I think many in the industry would, would echo this, that there's, there's a healthy degree of skepticism that, um, you know, it's very, very difficult to affect, uh, organizational change in, in, in the city of Vancouver's internal bureaucracy. Um, I see that the, you know, Andrea Law, who's the the leader of that group, has come out and agreed with the Auditor General's points and and, and wholeheartedly embraced them and seeks to to make improvements. Um, I do worry, though, that uh, it just getting from intention to outcome in that in that organization is is never as straightforward or as fast as it should be. Continuing now with John Stovell, he is the CEO and president of Reliance Properties, as well as the chair at the Urban Development Institute. We've been talking about building codes as well as building permits. This was the first report from the Auditor General in Vancouver, taking a look specifically at development fees. But I also want to talk a bit about view cones, because this is something that has been talked about in the past. It was actually addressed when the mayor did his State of the City address. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this idea of preserving view cones and dealing with shadows when talking about new developments? Yeah, I mean, I don't completely discount, you know, some of the aspirations of, of the existing view cone policy, but, and, and as it relates to shadow as well, you know, no, nobody's looking to eliminate every mountain view and cover every street in the city with shadow, but but the, the, the um, this is an objective policy to try to minimize impacts you know in in a reasonable way but that both both the enforcement of Yukon and shadow guidelines has become debilitating to to development of both office uh, hotel and uh, and housing in the whole broadway corridor and the downtown core and i i can't think of a single project that we have right now i just made a quick list this morning when i saw that report with seven or eight projects that are being seriously impacted and in some cases actually cancelled by the application of these policies and um you know you know ken sim and his council colleagues would have heard unending complaints about this from the development industry even social housing projects can be impacted by these things um and so we're very very delighted to see this this being challenged and 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 trying to i don't believe it'll be fully eliminated but i'll believe there'll be a much better effort to try and strike a balance um that you know and and it's it's a it's a it's a holy grail inside the planning department and I, I think it's well overdue to be challenged i mean as people as we have been saying you know we don't have a shadow crisis we don't have a a mountain view crisis we have a housing crisis and when 
housing is in dire need and projects are getting cancelled or severely impacted and economically by, you know, over diligence to this policy, you know, we've got a problem. And I think uh, Ken Sim and his council have, have made note of that and are going to act on it. He mentioned it yesterday during his State of the City address, saying that they would be looking into making adjustments to that policy, uh, the view cone and the, the shadowing policy. Uh, can you explain a little bit, when, when you're talking about projects that are cancelled or, or severely delayed, it is what it sounds like, isn't it? That that if, say, the view from False Creek or maybe farther south, looking to the mountains, if it's obscured by a tower or if a tower casts a shadow on, say, a, uh, an existing building, that, that not only is used as a guideline in some cases, but it, it becomes part of the whether or not it's going to be permitted? Totally. Totally make or break situation. And yeah, they're shadowing is generally on streets and sidewalks um, and not on private buildings so much. And the view cones are, are to protect um, views to the mountains, but in a very idiosyncratic way, like the best mountain views in the city um, continue to be as you're driving along the streets and those will remain because nobody's building a building in the middle of the street. But these view cones are these kind of idiosyncratic, like they, they go, they go mark a kind of X on the spot at some particular spot on the Queen Elizabeth Park or the False Creek Seawall or something and say, if you stand right here and you stop moving and you look at that mountain, you'll see a certain part of the mountain. And we're not going to let any building encroach into that viewpoint from that exact spot for that moment in time. But as soon as you walk on, you know, five steps in either direction, your view aspect changes. So these are very um, prescriptive and limiting um, view protections from a particular spot. And, uh, you know, as a result, they, they, you know, many people believe they're, uh, it's the tail wagging the dog. I mean, if you can't build an entire rental project because um, someone's view of, of, of a particular aspect of the North Shore Mountains would be impacted from one spot is, is kind of silly. And there's other ones, too, that are equally silly. There's view, there's view cones that protect views to City Hall. Hmm. Um, so that you can't build a building because if you're down on False Creek, you can't look up and see you know, City Hall kind of looming over you. Right? So like, that's kind of silly. And then the other ones are from, um, most pervasive ones are from Queen Elizabeth Park, where you could build um, a thousand foot tall building and not block the mountain views. You would just see the building in the foreground of the mountain. So that's, a, that's one that's been already relaxed somewhat by the new Broadway plan, but it's still quite restrictive. Are there other so, yeah, cities, we're, sorry, that have that have that strict of a policy when it comes to view cones um, and shadows? I'm not aware of other cities that have view cones because Vancouver is quite unique on uh, having this kind of mountain perimeter. You know, I, I, I wonder whether Denver might have them. It's not too different, but um, shadows, <coughs> shadow restrictions <coughs> are um, overzealous. Shadow restrictions are are an issue um, in other cities. Um, I, I hear many complaints. Um, in Toronto about this as well. All right. Well, we'll have to see with the, the mayor again addressing this and saying that they are looking at adjusting <laughs> that policy. John, we will leave it there for today, but thank you so much for your time and talking about this. Okay. Thanks for your interest in, uh, in, in uh, getting the news out there about challenges in the housing industry.